of the Scammer Stories podcast yet. Or maybe it's just me. After all, I started this journey to understand what happened to me and why my mother became a romance scam addict. I've been trying to get this message out ever since I started the podcast. This story has an ending I didn't expect. Unfortunately, not what I'd hoped for. We'll call this scam victim Chloe. She said I could use her real name, but I decided against it due to the turn of events you'll hear about later. We'll call her Chloe. Now that I think about it, our phone call started off unexpectedly too. I should have known trouble was up ahead when I asked how she was doing that evening. I'm pretty good, all things considered. <laughs> What's nervous. happening? Uh, well, to tell you the truth, um, today I did it. I, um, you know, it started at like, I guess midnight. I had one final text and then basically said, I think this is bullshit and I'm sorry, but you know, I'm out <laughs> basically. And, um, and then I just kind of sat there and watched all these phone numbers come through on my phone all night and just let them all keep going through. And I blocked them all this morning, probably 10 of them or so from Nigeria, UK, US. And then, you know, he's been emailing all day and I just, uh, tell me when it started and how it started. Well, actually, how it started is, um, you know, I'm a customer service representative is, you know, my job, but I also have a hobby playing the piano, which I've done since I was small. And I've been able to do a little bit of it, you know, semi-professionally. So I did different things in my community and church and choirs, you know, up until COVID hit. And then I was still with my husband. I was still married at that point. So I was not working. And how long had you been married at that point? 21 years. So um, COVID hit and I was kind of frustrated because, you know, the the music was really such a big part of my community and just where I got a lot of my confidence and happiness. But then I figured out this great idea. Why not start a YouTube channel? So I did that. And I started working very hard to put together piano pieces and post them on YouTube. And then, you know, I thought, well, let's link this up. Let's do this Facebook, Instagram, everything, you know, Twitter. Every time I release a video, I'm gonna, you know, try to get more followers to my YouTube page. And this will be like a great way to keep myself sane during COVID. And it was also a good diversion because, you know, I'll be honest, my husband and I were already having some trouble with our marriage. And um, I don't really want to go into that too much because he's really a good guy. Chloe says her marriage had been in a little bit of turmoil for about five years. So she's joining a bunch of Facebook groups involving a particular composer that she loves, just looking for a little bit of happiness during a difficult time in her life. And um, one of the groups, I became an administrator. So, you know, the people had to answer the three questions and I would let them in, you know, and if they at least just tried to answer them, I would pretty much let them in. And I would also send them a friend request because that way, you know, I could post my videos on this group and maybe they would subscribe to my channel. So I was kind of trying to build a little, 
you know, a little piano kingdom for myself here. And it was fun. And I was actually getting a lot of good contacts this way. But I was also getting a lot of, you know, hello, my queen, hi, sweetheart, all this kind of stuff, too. Uh Uh-oh, the very first red flag. Which, for the most part, I was very good at just, this is stupid, I'm deleting it. But there were a couple of them that, for some reason, whether I was just weak in that moment or the way they said it, or I'm not sure, that I started talking to. And... um One in particular, I sent him the friend request. This is the messed up thing. And he started messaging me. I didn't really know who he was. He just signed up to be on this page. And I didn't answer for a few days. And then, you know, he's like, are you ignoring me or what? You know, and he spelled what? W-O-T. You know, it was bad English, but something about it was charming to me. And I was bored and... It was nice to have compliments, I guess, because, you know, I was sort of not getting romance from my marriage at that point. So I started chatting with him and it just escalated pretty fast. The first month, which was December, we um, just talked, kind of getting to know each other stuff. But he did mention a lot, you know, you should really get a job. I really think this next year you'd be a lot happier if you had a job. So he like he wanted me to be bringing in money, which I thought was strange and a little bit forward. So he was posing at this point as a um, German that lived in Nevada with his sister and he didn't have a green card. So, you know, he was hiding out from immigration all the time. And then like two weeks after We started chatting. His sister died from some kidney thing, apparently. (laughs) And um, he joined the German military because that was the only thing he could do to be safe from from the immigration officers. So he went to Germany, joined the military, and ended up in Afghanistan. And this kind of all happened from December to January. And at one point, he ended up in a hospital when he was in Germany. Let's stop just for a second. If this is the first time you're listening to an episode of Scammer Stories podcast, this is all lies. Chloe knows this now. And he was trying to get me to use my PayPal to send money to his doctor so that he could get out of the hospital. Um, This was from some sort of back injury. Chloe spent a lot of frustrating time trying to figure out which app would work to send her scammer money. And she finally found a way. On my husband's credit card, which was at like 3 a.m. And I was just so exhausted that I just wanted to do it. And this was about $300. And I thought that was going to be it. And, you know, somehow I would make it okay with my husband in the future. It didn't end this point. It just went through like this series of fake video calls, which were basically just like a video of a German guy talking. And when I asked him what he said, he he always evaded the question. I'd be like, I want to know what you said. And he would just evade it. They were really fake and really terrible. And I think part of me actually knew that this was some sort of game. I wish I knew how to explain this. What happens, what happened in my head here is, um, first of all, I was addicted because there were some days I would wake up to like, 50 little love messages. So I'd kind of be getting this dopamine hit, but then it would always circle back around to money. And he was never at all mean. He was always totally sweet, interesting, fun to talk to. So, you know, I realized these photos, a lot of them didn't 
quite, there were little things like the hair was wrong for the timing. I actually did a reverse uh, image search and I never found anything on these photos of the German military guy. Can you help me by describing the videos a little bit more? So how did they do it? Well, at this point it was through WhatsApp. So he'd be like, okay, I think I'll be in a good place that has a video connection. Do you want a video call? So then, you know, I would pick it up and then there would just be a video of a German guy talking to me. But there was no way I could interact because he just kept talking and talking and talking. And then all of a sudden it would cut out and he'd be like, what, cat got your tongue or, you know, something like that. (laughs) Yeah. So by this point, we're getting towards February and I pretty much knew I was kind of playing some sort of game. And I think part of me thought I could win this game and figure out what was going on. When I finally got my mom to admit she'd been scammed on this podcast, that's what she told me. Her scammer had taken hundreds of thousands of dollars and she felt like she could trick him into getting it back. That never happens, by the way. Chloe knows that now, too. So it was like kind of an entertainment to me, I think, was part of the addiction. Like, I'm going to bust him. Or like, you know, I want to be a part of what he's really doing. Like, Mm. almost like I really like this guy. I want to be in the club. Like, because I know that he's not telling me the truth. Perhaps this is how they find money mules. But if I had to accuse him of being a scammer, he would just get, you know, I'm so offended that you would call me a scammer. So I'd get nowhere doing it that way. So I was almost just playing along just to kind of keep it going, hoping someday I would figure figure it all out. I don't know if I was even making that much sense in what I was doing because he did constantly trick me into saying I would give him more money, either gift cards. There were a lot of iTunes cards. So it was kind of like he would kind of trick me into saying I would do more. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is the last one because I really, you know, I was doing cash advances and crazy things and and I kept doing it. And it's kind of like Part of me was watching in horror while I kept doing this. And the stories keep on coming. Okay, so here's the next crazy thing that happened. In February, the Taliban apparently kidnapped him, and he had to fight them, and he got a back injury and was going to have to be discharged from the German military. But for some reason, he had to pay money to be discharged from the German military. So he put together like this fake form where I was supposed to be his fiance. And I wish I would have saved it. It's kind of ridiculous. But, you know, there was actually like a Bitcoin address to the German commanding officer. And I was just like, no, this is just completely ridiculous. And we actually stopped talking for a couple of weeks. But then he came back like nothing happened. <laughs> And he said, you know, I'm really sorry I've been kidnapped by the Taliban this whole time. I couldn't talk to you. And he asked for money again, but this time with Amazon gift cards. And he said, I can get out. I've been talking to my commander. I can get out if you send uh, 1200 worth of Amazon gift cards. And I actually went and did this. I remember going to the store you know, answering their questions about, are you a scammer? Or, you know, make sure this isn't a scam because you have to do that when you buy gift cards. And just kind of feeling like the biggest idiot because I was in kind of a small town where there's not that many stores and I'd already bought a lot of gift cards. Okay, so I'm interested in this. So I don't hear very often about stores asking this. So 
how often had you been there and how much had you spent by the point they started asking you? Um, they actually ask every time you buy a gift really? card well, at good CVS. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, they do. And some of them will actually, you know, kind of try to stop you. Um, some just, they're like, just punch this, you know, it's yes or no on their keypad. Punches to say that we told you this could be a scam. So, okay. I mean, that's good. And Walmart does it too, actually. Okay. I know Walmart yeah. and CVS do that. Awesome. I actually was kind of believing a little bit at this point because I remember standing at that CVS in line with this crazy amount of gift cards thinking, wow, I'm holding his freedom in my hand, you know? So when I think of it now, it seems so stupid, but but he just was very convincing as, you know, as I've learned from listening to a lot of these other stories. And I really thought this was going to be the last thing and then I would be done. But no, it kept going. He actually ended up for his back injury, the commanding officer got him into apparently a hospital in India. So then there were two months where I was supposedly talking to him in India. So he told me the name of the hospital and I actually contacted them through WhatsApp and asked if someone by his name was there and they said no. And I took a screenshot of the conversation and showed it to him and said, you're not in that hospital. And he freaked out and he's like, no, I'm here like with this special deal. And now, you know, they're going to find me and I'm going to get in trouble because I'm not really supposed to be here. It's something my commander set up. So now I'm going to have to, you know, hide out. And then I felt really bad. Like I had just kicked him out on the streets when he's supposed to be in this hospital. But apparently there was a doctor that had been treating him that put him up in his house. So then we had like this, you know, couple months where we were chatting at this while he was living in this doctor's house. Well, the doctor was in Thailand doing some sort of, you know, work. (laughs) Now, the weird thing is after he got to India... You know, there was in the news, COVID was very bad there. It's so funny. He picked places where disasters happened shortly after. Um, I don't know how he did that. Kind of eerie. But um, so then, you know, he had me all worried about there's people dying in the hospital. Like he had me freaked out about him getting COVID and, you know, that he couldn't get vaccinated. And like he was getting all these stories from Google. He knew like apparently in West Africa, they don't really have COVID happening. So he was just figuring this out on his own. So he had me kind of like desperate for him. Like, how do we get him back to Germany now? And um, so it just kind of, it kept going with me getting tricked into promising money and either doing it through crypto or gift cards. And um, that's kind of how it kept going until I did get him back to Germany supposedly in like October. And then I didn't hear from him for a couple of weeks because he was in quarantine, <laughs> supposedly. But every now and then he would be like, I can't get food. I can't get food. You have to give me money for food. They don't feed us here in quarantine. <laughs> so, so I did fall for that once. Mostly this would happen in the middle of the night and I was just tired and I just did it to get it done. I haven't mentioned, but I've probably in the course of this blocked him maybe 15 times. And every time I would take him back. But this time I I have actually blocked him. The thing I can't get people to understand is why this is an addiction. So describe to us why you took him back 15 times, just so other people listening to this podcast understand it and their family members too. 
Yes. Yeah, this is good. I do want people to, to know about this. Um, okay. So the very first time I blocked him, I seriously cried uncontrollably like I'd never cried in my life. And I mean, this is well, so many things are going on in my life to cry about. My marriage was falling apart. You know, my dad's not doing well. I'm looking at moving, trying to get a job to support myself, like so many things to cry about. But I was crying about blocking him. I can't really separate whether it's like a maternal feeling or, you know, like a romantic feeling, honestly. Just like I had this really strong. I think like a trauma sort of bond because we'd been through so many of these crazy stories together that he made up and it was just really unbearable for me to just, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And he doesn't make it easy. Like, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you quit drinking and you know, the alcohol doesn't come sending you messages and, you know, doesn't come running at you with messages from all these different places that you have to keep blocking. So that's why I kept doing it. And every time I came back, it was like the claws sunk in deeper. And I think, yeah, that's the really important thing to say here is it is an addiction. At this point, I thank Chloe for talking to me candidly. And we talk about the shame surrounding romance scams. I'm not a stupid person, really, Um, you know, and, and generally not impulsive. But it's just something happened to me over this year where I found this way of coping and And it's probably stronger than any addiction I can imagine that, I mean, I've had to quit a few things in my life and this has been the hardest one. Right now, I think I just really need to focus on taking care of myself. But once I get more stable, I would really like to try to find a way to help others. Okay. So when was the point that you reached out for help with therapy? And tell us about the therapy and what you've been through. That's really really what I'm interested in because I haven't been able to get people to talk about this. Uh, Well, the therapy started actually with marriage counseling and our marriage counseling started at the beginning of 2020. And so I really liked the therapist that we worked with and I met with her separately too. And that's when I, I started talking about this to her. And she kept it in confidence. Okay, so when you go to a therapist and you tell her what you did, what did she say? She was actually very gentle. And she said, um, why don't you see if you can go for a week without contacting him? Which I tried to do and I was unsuccessful. Okay, well, okay, I like that. This is good. (laughs) So then she said, um, you know, I know about these meetings, um, Sex and Love Addicts. It's a 12-step meeting. I don't know if it'll fit you or not, but why don't you try, you know, there's meetings on Zoom. Why don't you try going to some meetings? So I did that and I actually still do go to meetings. So now we're getting somewhere. I asked Chloe if she thought this kind of therapy helped. Well, I will say um, I haven't been brave enough to really come out with my whole situation in a sex and love addict meeting because I haven't really heard anyone else share about this romance scam situation. Although I would suspect that somewhere there's got to be someone going to these meetings with the same addiction, especially now with us all kind of coming down out of lockdown. I just feel like during that time, it was just prime, you know, prime (laughs) 
romance scam time because so many of us were, you know, at home kind of really battling our demons. And what a, you know, isn't it great to just talk to someone that's happy and tells you how much they love you? And, you know, um, it's easy to get hooked into. Chloe and I followed up with many emails after the interview. It's the last one that stopped me in my tracks. It was titled, I Failed. Chloe said she couldn't help it. She unblocked her scammer. She said it was hard to cut someone off who knows every little minor detail about her life. He also promised not to ask for any more money, which they always do before moving on to the next phase of the scam. He'll find a way to try and use her again. I told her that I hated to hear it, but keep me posted. Maybe she'll continue with that therapy and it'll help. And then the email stopped. I don't think that's the last time I'll hear from her, though. I think she's embarrassed and ashamed. I'll be here when she's ready to talk again. If you had anything you'd like to tell me or maybe a question to ask, ask me April. The email address, scammerstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Scammer Warriors. 